0: All right, will say good morning. Let us begin. In Chodesh, begin by thanking our sponsors. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month (laughs) of Adar Aleph. To thank Paul and Kathy Pollock for dedicating all the shirman Mandrashos this month in memory of Paul's grandparents. Samuel Pollock Zechariah Ben-Zechariah Zichorna Levrachan, Annie Dina Bas-Rabdov, Zichorna We thank our Talmud, our sponsors for the month of Adar Aleph, Art, and Sherry Miller for dedicating all the She'ur Mandrashos this month in loving memory of Art's brother, Richard Miller, Ruven Ben Bitzalel, the Rachel, Zichurna, the Rachel, we hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Nesham will have Aliyah and the family in Nechama. We thank our Week of Learning sponsors, Gabi and Shane Kohn for dedicating the week of learning, immersion of the art site of Shino's father, Avi Strimber, Avram, Ben Kalman, Eliezer, Halevi, the L'Vracha. We hope that on uh, the merit of our Talmud Torah, the a have Aliyah and the family in the We thank all of our sponsors for their dedication and for their generosity. We welcome our new Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Azra Aleph. And with that, let us begin. We have a beautiful, beautiful Daph ahead of us today. a lot to do today. Today's Daph is Chof Aleph 21. We are picking up on Chof Amud Bey's a little bit in the middle of Amadez. I will say, if you see Tosis v'achoso, see tosis v'achoso, just go across into the Gimara and about four lines down from there. I'm embarrassed to say the number of lines up from the bottom. That's, I'm going to use that as the marker. Excellent. Says the Gemara, So I'll say the Brai says as follows. Any anyone is actually an interesting, an interesting connection here. Anyone for whom a Kohen is obligated to become tame is someone for whom you sit Shiva for. Right, interesting idea. Remember again, a Kohen is not permitted to become tame, is not permitted to become exposed to Tomas Meis. So the Gemara says, anyone for whom a, a Kohen is permitted to become tame for, which is a mother, father, brother, sister is an interesting one which we'll discuss, but we'll talk about sister, son, daughter, spouse. Any person who a Kohen becomes tame for, Ultimately, is who a person sits Shiva for. Elohim, ishto, wife, aviv, imo, father, mother, ochiv, v'achoso, brother, sister, bino, ubito. Ultimately, son and daughter. Vosifu alayen, that was, now, that's, that's, that's a coin. Now, in the laws of Shiva, the laws of Adelos, Chazal added on a few more relatives. Vosifu alayen, ochiv, sorry, they added on over here, his brother and his mother, sorry, so his brother and his sister. So they added on over here a maternal, meaning for the halachos of Adelos, a maternal brother and sister. or a married sister. Either from his father or from his mother. So, we'll say, so that's the halachos. So again, to, to a certain degree, the Gemara's highlighting over here is. Although the halachos of Tuma by a coin kind of serve as the foundation for whom you sit Shiva for, Chazal did add on a couple of more relatives as well. So for Shiva purposes, any brother, any sister, whether it's a maternal brother, a a maternal sister, a married sister, all of these are relatives for whom one will sit Shiva. So the Gemara adds on, Rabbi Akiva adds on And the same way that you sit Shiva for these individuals, Kach mm-hmm. So too you will go ahead and mourn for secondary relatives. Now I will say now what's a secondary relative? What's Shni'im? If you take a quick look at Rashi, Rashi says Al Shneim mm-hmm. Avi ben bito, ben So I will say the same way, for example, that you go ahead and one would mourn for their father, one would also mourn for their father's father. The same way that one would mourn for their son, one would also mourn for their son's son. The concept of Shniim that Rabbi Akiva is introducing is something quite fascinating, which is anyone who you mourn for, if that person is in Avelos, you observe mourning as well. Which I will say is a very dramatic extension of the avelos web, Rabbi Shimon Al-Azhar Omer, Rabbi Shimon Al-Azhar agrees with the principle that there is a concept of avelos for shniim for secondary relatives, but ultimately, again, he limits it to ella al ben va aviv It only applies to the son of your son and to the father of your father. In other words, the concept of shniim really only applies in a very specific, limited fashion. The the say no, Kosha love Miss Abalimo. say no both say seem to agree with Rabbi namely, whoever you mourn for, if that person is in mourning, you're in mourning as well. Which I will say just means, right? Person sits Shiva, mother, father, brother, sister, son, daughter, spouse. If any of those people themselves have then lost an immediate relative who's not my immediate relative, they're sitting Shiva. I would observe Avelos as well. The gemara just says, "By the way, the gemara says, tanakamo.' Aren't the chachamim saying the same thing as Rabbi Akiva the Tanakamo?" To which the gemara says, "No, ikab babayis." Say, interesting? Nath-Kumina. The boss says, "Interesting nafkamina." The nafkamina is as follows: that halacha lemaisa, halacha is the obligation to sit shiva or to mourn, I should say, for shniim, only when you are in the presence of the direct mourner. Or even when you're not in the presence of the direct mourner, Rashi says. Rabbi Akiva holds that even if you're not in the presence of the direct mourner, you would still be observing mourning. Whereas the Chacham say, no; it's only when you're in their presence that you observe mourning practices. Most of the Gemara gives examples of this, and I will say by I just want to point out: this is a halacha that is accepted in the Gemara. The concept of shniim, the concept of anyone who you're obligated to mourn for, if that person is now in Avelos for one of their immediate relatives, who's not my immediate relative, right? My father's father, right? My father is in Avelos for his father. Chas my son, is in Avelos for his son. Those are called shniim, right? My mother is in Avelos for her mother. Anytime someone who is my direct relative is in Avelos for their direct relative, I am obligated in mourning practices as well, when I am in their presence. So the Gemara says, Rav said to his son, Ravuna also said to Rabbah his son, When your wife is in Avelos, when your wife is mourning, when you are in her presence, you must observe mourning practices as well apa, when you're not in her presence, Lotinhog Avilusa, you need not conduct yourself with morning practices. Marukva Marukva will say Marukva, Marukva's father in law lost his son, which means Marukva's brother in law passed away. Right, Marukva's brother in law passed away. Mar-Ukva was ready to sit Shiva and Shloshim for his brother in law. Because we'll say now Mar-uk-va, Marukva took a very expanded role of this. Remember again, Marukva now, so essentially, Marukva's wife lost her brother. So now Marukva's wife is going to sit Shiva and Shloshim. So ultimately, Marukva assumed that he's also going to sit Shiva and Shloshim. First wide line Rav went to visit him. Ashkechai. And he found this is a pretty interesting story. He sees Rav mar is sitting Shiva for his brother-in-law. So Rav says to him, Do you like Shiva trays so much that you've decided to go? We'll say, isn't this great? Right? great line. Right? You like Shiva trays so much, you like the free food so much, that you've decided to sit Shiva. This halacha regarding one's wife, that if one's wife is in Shiva, one has to go ahead and observe morning practices out of deference to her, it was only said when? Her parents. Her parents. But does not apply to any other siblings. Great line. So the Gemara says as follows, If someone's father or mother passed away, a man should therefore not compel his wife to go ahead and apply any type of makeup say when one 's wife is in mourning, one has to respect her mourning practices what should a husband do? He should overturn his bed with her, which is another way of saying that he should observe mourning practices with her. Again, I both say, the Gemara is coming from the vantage point, if my wife is in mourning, I'm only obligated to mourn with her in her presence, right? Not in her presence, I'm not obligated. But LaMaisa, number one Gemara says, you can't compel her to kind of do activities of daily living, make herself up, make herself look." she's sitting in a veilus. Not only that, I have to observe the morning practices along with her. Similarly again, a wife, if her mother-in-law or father-in-law passed away, she should not go ahead and adorn herself to make herself look all beautiful, when her husband is in Rather, she overturns her bed and she observes Avelos along with her husband. Incredible Even though when a wife is mourning, a husband can't compel her to put on makeup the ms Amru, nevertheless, Chazal said. Even when a wife is in mourning, she can still pour her husband a cup of wine. She can make his bed. And she can still wash his hands and feet. Because who doesn't need that on a daily basis, right? She can still wash his hands and feet. So the Gemara says, so Because this contradicts each other, right? Because the first bribes said that when the wife is in Avelos, she doesn't do any of these things. The bribes now says, although she's not going to put, put on makeup, she's still going to do these other things for her husband. It depends on who she's sitting Shiva for, right? In other words, we're more machmir when she's sitting Shiva for her parents there's more of a license for her to do things when she is sitting shiva for other relatives. So the gemara says, "Shmamino, Furthermore, again, I will say that aloch is the only time that a husband is obligated to go ahead and observe mourning practices in the presence of his wife who is mourning is when she is mourning for who? When she is mourning for her mother or her father? So I will say, the gemara goes weiter. The gimar- we'll say, so before we go on, so I'll we'll say, isn't this fascinating? That the Gimara, if you notice, by the way, there's no real machlokis over here. The gemara is accepting the premise that when someone whom you are obligated to mourn for is now in Avelos, is now in Avelos, I am obligated, I, the non-mourning relative of the person who is currently in Avelos, so again, my wife, my wife is sitting Shiva for, for a relative, I'm obligated to observe mourning practices in her presence, at least for sure, for her mother and her father, right? My child Chassid Shalom is sitting; she's obligated, right? My parent obligated. So we'll say, "What's the?" So first, I want to point out the Shulchan Aruch. Paskins this way halacha ma'isa. Shulchan Aruch adapts this halacha that again, when someone for whom you are obligated to mourn themselves is in avelos, you are obligated to conduct yourself with mourning practices in their presence. That's the Mechaber comes along the Rama. And then Rama says, presently we are mekil. Why? Because they will say what drives this halacha. What drives this halacha is covered for the avel. Covered for the avel. So if if a relative of mine is a direct relative of mine is sitting shiva, it's it's covered to go ahead and observe mourning in their presence. Right? So my wife is sitting shiva chas v'shalom. It makes sense that as covered to my wife. I'm going to observe certain mourning practices in her presence. Then Rama says today the Avel is Mochel on that covet. The Avel is Mochel on that covet. There is almost like an institutionalized or, or assumed level of Mechila. Level of Mechila. And therefore, again, at least by Ashkenazim, I don't know what Swaradin do, because the Mechaber does pass in this way. And the Mechaber does not give any qualification for this. But at least by Ashkenazim, the Ramah, the Avel assume the Avel is, the Avel is, not Mevater, Mochel, sorry. The Avel is Mochel. The Avel forgives this covet. And that's why, again, contemporarily, you may have never heard of this halacha, even though, again, it is explicitly included in Shulchan Aruch. Quite fascinating. So the Gemara goes weiter. So the Gemara says, Amemar's grandson passed away. So Amemar's son's son passed away. He tore kriya for him. Amemar tore kriya for his grandson. Now, I will say, now, the, the idea being, it seems that what Amemar is driving at over here is, that Allah alamaisa he, well, let's see. He tore Kriya for his grandson. asabre Kara then Amemar's son came. So apparently, Amaymar tore Kriya for his grandson, not in the presence of his son, who is the direct mourner. His son then came, Kara Ba'ape. Amemar then tore a second time in the presence of his son. Idkar Demiyush of Kara, he then realized that when he tore Kriya, he had torn Kriya sitting down. Therefore, what did he do? He stood up and he tore Kriya a third time. A third time. So he tore Kriya again, but say ultimately again because he tore Kriya sitting down and he felt that the obligation to tear Kriya was standing up. So the Gemara says, How do you know that Kriya has to be torn standing up? Right? Where, where do we... So i say, there's a number of intriguing things about this because remember... Even though we just got finished saying that when you are in the presence of a direct relative who is mourning, you're obligated to observe mourning practices. Bepashtos, that's more passive mourning practices, like sitting on a low chair, taking off your shoes. Nowhere do we see that there's an obligation of Kriya, right? We do not see that. Amaymar tore Kriya for his grandson. Toh for his grandson. Son came along, presence of the son, toh Kriya a second time. But then tore Kriya a third time upon realizing that he had torn Kriya sitting and not standing. So I'm later of Ashtem, from where do you know that Kriya has to be done standing up? Dikasiv, Diksev, V'yokam, Iov, V'yikra, ilo. Iov stood up, va'yakam. he stood up and he tore his, and he tore his, he tore his coat. So from here you see Tor e Torah, e, right, the Pasadavka says, Vayakam, he got off. Tap of Chavalef Elamiato, Va'omad, Va'omad lo'chafat stila kachta hachanami. So we'll say, okay, so then what about the following Pasak? This is by Chalitza. By chalitza. so in the process of chalitza, the guy doing chalitza says He stands up and he says, "I do not want to marry her, right? I do not want to marry her. I do not want to do yibum. I want to do chalitza." Hachinami. So, if since the passage says va'amad, are we going to say now that's what? That Allah chalitza has to be done standing up. What chani? We learned ben Yoshef, ben Omeid, ben muta. Whether whether the holies, whether the brother is sitting, standing, you know, hunched over, right? It's fine. In other words, chalitza doesn't require a particular position. You can do chalitza however you want to do chalitza. So we'll see, see from there, that just because the Torah says va'amad, doesn't mean what? Doesn't mean what? That it requires Amida. So why don't am sitting over here, just because it says va'yakam i'ov, is not a raya that chalitza has to be done standing up. Amr'alei hasam lo'ksiv va'ya'amod. So said, there's a difference between saying amod and vayamod right vayamod vayamod is a much more is an instructive verb right vayamod and you will get up vayakum and he got up so this is a premeditated action as opposed to amod which is really just an expression so therefore again the gemara says so the Gemara says, So we'll say the Gemara is understanding over here that Vayakam is, is an instructive verb. Is that the Navi is telling us that Eov intentionally got up before he went ahead and did Kriya, telling us that Kriya has to be done standing up. So the says, From where do we know that Kriya has to be done standing up? So the Gemara says, So the Gemara says, Ultimately, again, the pasuk says, "Eov got up, Eov got up, and he went ahead and he tore kriya." I Dilma milse David, but maybe not. In other words, maybe Eov was just going above and beyond. Maybe you could do kriya sitting, standing, do kriya however you want. But Eov just did something extra. Ilo teimahaki because also remember again, we do see certain excessive practices by Eov, for example. So the gemara esrosho." The says, "Eov." tore his hair out. He tore out hair as a sign of mourning. So the Gemara says, Hachanami. So we'll say so ultimately again remember that's excessive. That's certainly not part of that's certainly not part of normative mourning practices. So maybe the same way that Eof tore out hair, he also stood up but standing up is not per se part of the actual halacha of kriya. el mihaka. Igmar says, "Okay, you know what? Maybe we can't learn it out from Eov. Let's learn it out from elsewhere." Vayakam Hamelech vayikra as begodav. King David. David Amelech. David HaMelech stood up and he tore his clothing. He tore his clothing. This is when he thought that Avshalom, right? Avshalom had killed Amnon, but he thought that Avshalom had killed more of his children. David Amelech got up and he tore his clothing. Dilma Milsa Maybe David went above and beyond. In other words, maybe getting up and tearing Kriya was what was an excessive form of mourning. In other words, but it's not the obligatory level of mourning. The Pasik says, David HaMelech laid down on the floor. He lay down on the floor. So the Gemara says. we learned that in Avelos as it comes to the of and what does kfiyah samita require? Kfiyah samita literally requires the overturning of the bed. So, for example, if the Avel goes ahead and sits on a bed, or on a chair, or on udaini. A dani literally again is like a is like a mortar, right? Or on the ground, you're not yotze, you're not yotze. In other words, you need kviyah samita. And yet we see that David Haman laid down on the ground. It means that when David when the pasuk says laid down on the ground, it doesn't literally mean on the ground. It means like on the ground. What does it mean to lay down like on the ground? Overturning the bed. Overturning the bed. So I both say It turns out that we have two sources, possible sources, for the fact that Kriya has to be done standing up. Either from Yov, Vayakam Yov, or from David, Vayakam HaMelech Vayikra. And I both say, this is indeed Halakha Lameisah. Kriya has to be done ba'amida. Kriya has to be done standing up. We'll say, These are things that an Oval is not allowed to do. Things that an Oval is not allowed to do. So the Gemara says, Aser ben He's not allowed to work. Berechitza, Bathing, Sicha, Anointing, Tashmishamita, Relations, Nilas <humidity detta> HaSandl, Wearing Shoes. Va Ve'asr likros patora. Let me say furthermore again, this is something we have not discussed before. An Oval is not permitted to learn. Not permitted, likros patora, he can't learn chumash. He can't learn Novi, He can't learn gsuvim. Okay. Ultimately, you say He's not allowed to learn anything. He's not allowed to learn anything. Now, what I will point out is something very interesting. What what the if you look at Tosis very, very quickly, if you look at Tos V'aser, which is the first wide line in, in Tosis, Vasir Kras Batara Bchak, Zikani Evlo, They're both say, here's what's interesting. If you notice, by the way, if you notice, right, when we learned, when we learned in Mesekhast about about Tishabov, about Dishuv, we learned also Tishabov also has and Torah, right? But yet, the Gemara there said, what can you learn on Tisha B'af? What can you learn? So we call Dvarim ra'im, right? Things that have a connection to Avelos. So for example, you could learn Mo'id cotton because Mo'id cotton goes through the Halachas of Avelos. You could learn the story of the Chorban in Masechah's Gin. You could learn Yirmiyahu Hanavi, right? Because again, Prophet of Destruction. You could do kinnis. If you notice, by the way, over here, the Gemara doesn't quote that exception. So Tosas quotes over here in the name of Rabbi Yitzchak, who says that during Shiva you can't learn anything. You can't learn anything, even Dvarim roim. Tosas and Tosas and disagrees with that and says no. Effectively, Shiva is going to be the same thing as Tishav. And whatever you could learn on Tisha Bav, you could learn during Shiva. Right? So again, Dvarim Rai'im would be permitted during Shiva as well. So you could learn Torah. You could learn Torah during Shiva. It just has to be learning that is, somehow has a mourning motif. Of course, you could learn... You can learn these sugyas in Moet Katon. You can go ahead and learn Kinnis and learn Eov and learn all of the things that are connected to Chorba. I'm just pointing it out. But let's say back to the Gimara. This is an incredible Gimara. We'll say, let's say the person sitting Shiva is someone whom the public needs. Let I me mean, who the public needs. Person sitting Shiva as a rab, is a Posek, is someone who, a Rebbe, someone who the public needs. They need, a Rashi points over here, Ledrasha. Now, what's the doesn't mean that literally they need you to give a Drasha. Right? Ledrasha means over here, they need you for your halachic rulings. Right? What if the Avel is someone whom the community depends upon? So, what's the halacha? You could to continue to pass in halacha and discuss matters of dina Torah and adjudicate situations even during Shiva, which Rabbosai is such a profound halacha. Because what is the halacha essentially saying? See, when a person is in Shiva Rabbosai and Rabbim on, the public needs him, there's a tension. What's the tension? Between what I need as an individual and what the community needs from me. And so again, the Gemara is telling us that when there is a conflict between individual needs and communal needs, who wins? Communal needs, right? The community always wins out over the individual. The needs of the collective always trump the needs of the individual. An incredible, incredible, you sort of will say, even think about it again, about what it means to be part of community, and what it means to be part of Qalil So Very often, there's a conflict between the needs of the individual versus the needs of the collective, whatever that collective may be, a shul, a community, a kehilah, a kalal. And again, when those conflicts happen, which, which are inevitable, Chazal always sensitizes us to that the needs of the many, the needs of the collective, the needs of the kehilah, always outweighs the needs of the yachid. And here there's a dramatic example of this. The person is sitting shiva. person is sitting shiva. Leave the guy alone. No, if the community needs him, then ultimately, again, he sets aside his own issues and is there for the community. So incredible. Umay, so Ose, listen to this story. One time, the son of Rabbi Yossi, of Tzipori, passed away. V'nichnas lebeis ha Nevertheless, even during Shiva, he came into the base medrish, v'darash kaleam kulo, And he, he gave shir the entire day. He gave shir the entire day. And I both say, now. obviously, when it says shir, what it must be talking about is something that was time-sensitive, that was needed for right then. Also, I'll just point out to you, how incredible is a Gemara like that? It also shows you the incredible strength we possess. Here, Rabbi Yossi lost the child. He lost the child. I, I think... Ugh. The, the most painful loss that a person could ever endure in this world. And yet, what does he do? What does he do? He finds a way to compartmentalize his loss and get the job done for the rabbin. Get the job done. Which I will say, gives us a window into the incredible strength that we have. When people suffer loss, especially <laughs> tragi- every, every loss is tragic in its own way. But some loss is even more overwhelmingly tragic. So people allowed their loss to sideline them, right? They allowed the loss, that, that like, like that's it, I, I, I can't move on. And then you see a Gemara like this and you see, yes you can, yes you can, yes you can. You do what you have to do to move yourself forward. Here Rabbi Yossi is sitting Shiva for his child, for his child, but they need him in the Beis Medrash. So sometimes we will say what life requires of us is to gather in our grief, compartmentalize that grief for a little bit of time and do what has to be done. I guarantee you when the show was over, he went back and was overwhelmed by his grief because that's the nature of grief. But life is all about not allowing difficult situations to paralyze you. Compartmentalize it, do what has to get done and move forward. It's, it's incredible. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, <laughs> Rabbi Barbar Khanna also suffered a loss. And what happened? He assumed that he could not give shear. I have what Rabbi Khanina said. And, Rabbi, we learned that if the rabbi need you, you have to go to the base madrash. Yeah, so the gemara says, So okay, so he went to the base madrash, and he was going to set up his amora. Also again, the amora is the torgamon right? That, that's the person who, the Rabbi says something, and then the, the amora goes ahead and distills it into digestible pieces of information for the masses. No, no, that you can't do. That you can't do. In other words, That when the person is in avelos and still teaching Torah, you could do that, but you have to employ almost like some type of shinui, right? Some type of change. And the change we talk about is no torgamon, no torgamon. Veela hechi of it. I so what should you do? So the Gemara says. One time the son Rabbi Huda Bayilai died. We'll say it's also very dramatic. I don't know why this is that if you notice by the way all of these cases. Are with the loss of children, which is which is really which is really. I mean, again, it could have to be just with infant mortality in the times of the Gemara, but but again, it, it it is striking that all of these examples of these great rabbonim are all with the loss of children. It's very very overwhelming. lost a child lost the child, and he went to the base Medrash. V'niknas, so Rabbi Hanani ben Akavya, V'yashem, it's the first wide line, Rabbi Hanani ben Akavya went in behind Rabbi Udebar and he sat down next to Rabbi Udebar Eloi. V'lachash chul Rabbi Rabbi Hanani ben Akavya the turgamon the ishmi al-Rab. So we'll say, what happened? Rabbi Udebar Eloi whispered the Sheer, whispered the ruling to Rabbi Hanani ben Akavya. Rabbi Hanani ben Akavya whispered to the Turgamon, and then Turgamon taught it to everyone else. It was a long day. It was a long day. Hey, say, but the idea is, so interesting enough what the Gemara is saying over here is if Rabbe Lo, if the, if the community needs the particular individual sitting shiva, he can go and he can go into the basement he can even deliver shir, but he has to employ some type of shinu. It has to be mishana. There has to be some type of deviation from the Ram. Teru Rabbanon. Avel Gimel Yom HaRishon an interesting machlokis here. Bryce, it says, an Avel, for the first three days, doesn't put on tefillin. Mishlishi from the third day and on. Ushlishi b'chalal, and the third day is included with this. Which also really means, from day number three and on. So la la'aniach tefillin. You could begin to put on tefillin. So also really according to this first opinion, the Avah is not putting on tefillin for the first two days. Right, from the third day and on, he's beginning to put on tefillin. And even if new people come to visit him on day number three, he does not remove his tefillin in their presence. Even Rabbi, Rabbi Yeshua Omer, that's what I'll say, that's Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Lazar, Abel doesn't put, we call it Avod doesn't put on tefillin three days, but really what it means is Avod doesn't put on tefillin for two complete, for the first two days. On day number three, he begins to put on tefillin. Rabbi Yeshua says, no. Avel Bezam Harishalim Asrani Yechtfilin. <anchored> An Avel doesn't put on Tulin for the first two days. But really what that means is Mishani. But from day number two, you can begin to put on Tulin. Which really means what? An Avel doesn't put on Tulin for how long? One day. One day. So it's like Machlokis Rabbi says Avel doesn't put on Tulin for two days. Rabbi Yehoshua Avel doesn't put on Tulin for one day if new people show up to be menachim ofav from day two and on, he takes off his tefillin in the presence of the new people who come. Um, Amr Masna says, mm-hmm. "My time with Rabbi Lazar. What's Rabbi Lazar's logic that Aval doesn't put on tefillin for two days? Where do you get two days from?" The Chsiv by Tomu Yemei Evel the pasuk says, "And the days of mourning." Sorry, Yemei Evel Mosha. The days of mourning for Moshe conclude. I will say now the minimum number of what, of days is two. So from here you see that the intense mourning lasts for two days. And therefore Allah, Allah doesn't put on tefillin for two days. I will say now, I want to point out, the fact that an aval doesn't put on tefillin, we already learned that from who? From who? Right? Remember again, that was from Yecheskel, right? We already saw that. We already saw that earlier on, right? When you, when, when Kach tells the Navi that his wife is gonna die, and he tells him keep your tefillin on. So from there, we already see that an aval doesn't wear tefillin. What we don't know is. For how long? Shabbalazra says the pasuk says they mourned for Moshe, plural, two days. From here, you see, you don't put on Tulan for two days, the most intense part of mourning, and ultimately begin to put tefillin on from day number three and on. My time, so the Gemara says, Amrav Ina, my time, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua says you don't only put on tefillin for one day. mar, and its end will be like a bitter day, which indicates that the most intense part of mourning is day number one. And therefore, Allah Ha'lamayi said, don't put on tefillin for day one, but put on tefillin from day two and on. Rabbi Yoshua, what do you do with the Pazek that says, which seems to indicate that the intense morning is two days. No, you Can't bring a raya from Moshe Rabbeinu. Can't bring her raya from Moshe. Yeah, when Moshe Rabbeinu died, the morning was so intense, but that's not a normative situation. Rabbi Lazar, what do you do with the Pasuk that says, which seems to indicate that intense mourning is for one day? So the Gemara says, He says, yes, I agree. The iker bitterness of mourning is for one day. But the intensity still spills over into day number two, and therefore no tefillin for day number two. So both we'll say, fundamental Achalokas, Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yoshua. Rabbi Lazar is saying, you don't put on tefillin for the first two days, begin to put on tefillin from day number three and on. Rabbi Yoshua is saying, you don't put on tefillin for day number one, but put on tefillin from day number two and on. Each of them quoting their own psukim. Amr um, Ula Ula says, Halach Rebbe Lazar. Halach Rebbe, Rebbe Lazar that don't put on tefillin for the first two days. Sorry. Halach Rebbe Lazar bechalitza, Halach Rebbe Yeshua behannocha. Halach Lazar in terms of taking off, which means Rebbe said that what? Mm-hmm. Once an Abel begins to put on tefillin, he never takes it off. Which Rebbe said means like this. Just to understand the concept of halitza, taking off tefillin is like this. One might have thought that once the Abel puts on tefillin, when someone new comes to see the Avel, there's a concept of panim chadashos baya say The assumption is that when someone new comes to visit the Avel, there's a new wave of intensity, of sadness that sweeps over the morning. I will say, you know, you see this. When a person is sitting Shiva, part of the beauty of Shiva is seeing people that you haven't seen for a long time. But what that, what that does sometimes is The following. That you've you've seen this if you've ever been in the shiva home or Rachmales a person has ever sit, sat shiva, and someone who you haven't seen in a while comes to see you, it brings in a whole new wave of emotion. So So the concept of chalitza says that almost when a person sees someone who they haven't seen for a long time, maybe the other have to take off their tefillin again because seeing that person brings me back like to day one of the Avelas. It brings. A fresh pain. I'm so happy to see this person, but it brings back a new wave of pain along with it as well. So Ula says, which means that once an avel has the license to begin to put on tefillin, he doesn't take it off even if someone new comes. But Namely, an avel doesn't wear tefillin for the first day of his shiva, but he does wear tefillin subsequently. An Avel does not wear tefillin on day one of his avelos, day one of his Shiva. This is not talking about Aninos, right? Aninos, the period between death and burial. That's something different. That an Avel is exempt from all positive mitzvos because he's actively involved in the mitzvah of taking care of the dead. So he's exempt from all the positive mitzvahs. This is not the first day of Shiva. The first day of Shiva and Avel does not put on tfilin, but from day two and on, he will wear tfilin. lo, what about on the second day? What about on the second day when the aval is wearing tefillin and someone new comes? Does the aval take off his tefillin or not? So the Umar says Tashma Amar Ula Cholitz Afilu Me'apamim. He takes off and he puts on even a hundred times. Yehuda Ben Tema, Omer Cholitz Umaniach Afilu Me'apamim. Rava Amar Kevan Sheiniach Shuv Eino Cholitz. Rav says no. On the other hand, once an aval has the license to put on tefillin, he doesn't take it off anymore, even if someone new comes. I Amar halokha, kitana, didan. I, but Rabbi said that Allah follows our tanno, the Amr Shlosha Beis, Shlosha Shlosha. that the Abel said, that, I'm sorry, that the Abel doesn't put on t'villin for the first three days, to which the Gemara says, mitzvah Shiny. A mitzvah is different. A mitzvah is different, which I was saying, in other words, I should say, or I should say differently, that in Abel, the first three days of mourning are most intense. Mitzvah is different. Mitzvah tabrashi, Amid Beis, even though, again, the Avelos might be most stringent and most intense for the first three days. And therefore, during the first three days, as we will discuss, there are certain things you can't do. Tfilin is different. Since tfilin is a mitzvah, so, will say, so the Avel won't wear tfillin on day one. Now, remember, again, why don't I wear tfilin on day one? That's based on the Novi. That's Pe'ercha Chavu Shalecha that ultimately, again, tefillin is called the crown. The aval shouldn't wear a crown on the first day of his Avelos. Therefore, the aval does not wear tefillin on day one of Shiva. But after day one, he goes ahead and he puts on tefillin. And even if halacha l'maysa, someone new comes, he does not go ahead and remove the tefillin. Incredible. Turn around, but on. But see, here we go. Here's the discussion about the three days. So here we go. Avel Gimel yamim Bimalacha But now the first three days. Also, you should just know we're going to discuss this in depth. It is fascinating to see that Chazal looked at the first three days of Shiva in a different light. Those are the most intense days of mourning. In fact, there's an opinion we will see in the Shulchan Aruch that says one should not be Menachim Avel in the first three days. One should not go to visit a mourner in the first three days. Again, we'll discuss contemporarily what we do with this. But again, this is recognized in the first three days. The Avel can't do any work. Even if you're poor and supported from Staka, you still can't do any work. After the first three days, if a person needs to do work, so he could do work privately inside of his house. And a woman could spin her thread, again, inside of her house, also privately. So we begin to see this motif that the first three days of mourning are treated more stringently than the rest of Avelos. And so Avel, during the first three days, so say this is a fascinating situation. What is an Avel permitted to go and comfort other mourners? Other mourners. And I will say, this could happen in a variety of ways. I'll tell you, just, just where we saw this not so long ago. I will say, you saw examples of this in the aftermath of the Meron tragedy, right? You saw, you saw families who were connected by this horrific tragedy. This horrific tragedy were going to be Menachem Oval to each other. So how does it work? How does it work if someone is in Shiva, but they want to go be Menachem Aval to someone else? I will say, so in general, we would say that an avel does not go to do nichum avilim by someone else. But let's say again, it's an extenuating circumstance, and the avel feels compelled to go. So, so first of all, in the first three days of Avelos, an avel doesn't leave his home, right? Because the first three days of Shiba are considered to be the most intense. Avel doesn't go anywhere. But if after the first three days, the Aval needs to be manachim avel by someone else. The Ovel could go, but interestingly enough, when the Avel goes to another Shiva home, he doesn't sit with the comforters, but rather he sits with the mourners. So when an Avel goes to visit an Aval, two people in Shiva, and one person goes to visit another person, he doesn't sit, you know, opposite, opposite the mourners, like where the Menachem, where the comforters go to sit, but rather he sits with the Avelim. Tan Ravonam, Avil Gimu HaRishonim Aser We'll say in Avel in the first three days of his shiva is not permitted to greet anyone. Mishlosha biat shiva meishiv We'll say from the third day until the end of shiva, if somebody greets the Avel, the Avel could respond, but the Avel does not does not initiate a greeting with someone else. Mikan but from there on in, right? Mikan Shoel shuel umeishiv after Shiva, after Shiva, an avel could go ahead and greet people, could inquire, right, could initiate a greeting, could respond to a greeting in a normal way. <laughs> so is that true that for the first three days? So, say, so the, the way the Gemara broke this up was as follows: During the first three days of Shiva, an avel cannot extend any kind of greeting. Right, You can't greet him, he can't respond, he can't initiate. From the third day of Shiva to the end of Shiva, Avel can't initiate, but what can he do? What can he do? He could respond. After Shiva, after Shiva, he could respond, he could initiate, not a problem. So the Gemara says, This, this is an incredible story. Rabbi Akiva's sons died. Now the truth is, it seems to be, it's not sons, but rather it's son, son singular. Rabbi Akiva lost a child. Rabbi Akiva lost a child. Nichnisu called Yisrael All of Chal Yisrael came and they delivered, right? It was a massive levaya, A massive Leviya, and there was a massive eulogy. Bosset, listen to this story. Bishas Piti Rasan as everybody was leaving the Leviya, Amad Rabbi Akiva Asaf Sal Gadol. Rabbi Akiva went ahead and stood up on a large bench. Amar, Achinu Beis My brothers, Shammu, listen to me. Even if had I buried two married sons with families of their own, minucham hu, kabocha sees I am consoled. I am consoled because of the great thing that you have done. This is Rabbi Akiva speaking at his son's levaya, telling the people who have come, thank you so much for coming. The fact that you all came, I am consoled by your presence. Kiva basem, and if you came because of me, just because of Akiva, Harikama Akiva Bashuk. There are so many Akivas in the marketplace. You didn't come for me, but you came for my Torah. You came for the Torah that I represent, that my son represents, the Kosha King, Kafel. And all the more so because you came, not out of a personal responsibility, but out of Kavarat Torah that your reward ultimately, again, for coming is double. I will say, I just want to point out something amazing. Rabbi Yakiva, Rabbi Yakiva over here is doing what is one of the most incredible things, which is, as a mourner, not to focus on one's personal loss, but to focus on the other. You see, grief, by definition, is an all-consuming emotion. When a person grieves, grief can swallow you up. What Rabbi Akiva is doing over here is he's putting his personal grief on the side and he's focusing. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. I say part of what these Gemaras teach us is the ability to control our emotions. We often think that the way we feel is not something we can control. And that's true, but yet false. It's true that how you feel initially, you often can't control. Right, if I feel sad, I can't control that initial feeling of grief. What I can control is the grip my emotions have on me. That's where the intellect has to go ahead and take over emotion. I have the ability to regulate. I have the ability to control how my emotions impact me. That's what these Gemaras teach us. So when you saw the rabbaniman Ahmed Alif are going to give shir, even though they're sitting shiva for their children, that's because I can't control feeling sad, but I can control how I allow that sadness to impact me. I can regulate emotion. This is, although in general I'm a strong proponent for allowing emotion to reign over intellect, there are times when intellect has to keep emotion in check. So Rabbi Akiva, at the end of the levaya, for his son, for his son is getting up there and thanking the people. Thank you for coming, and thank you for coming because you're coming out to cover Torah, and your reward is incredible. Luchu levatechem l'shalom. Go, go home in peace. both say luchu levatechem l'shalom is a greeting, is a greeting. So here Rabbi Akiva is greeting everyone at the levaya. We just said before that for the first three days you can't extend any greeting, to which the Gemara says kavod rabbin shiny. No, no, no. To, kavod you give to the to the public. Kavod rabbin is different. I will say when we say that from days three through one through three you can't extend any greeting, respond to any greeting. That's as individuals. But ultimately, again, else the Rabbim, whenever it has to do with the Rabbim, ultimately, again, the Rabbim always have a different halacha, Nifarabi Akiva was able to give a bracha, a departing bracha to the Rabbim as well. we'll see what We'll have to stop over here. We'll pick up in the middle of our days tomorrow. Shkoya. All right, Cavrons, remember to have a wonderful day. A good and hide everyone.